Wine and Shine Podcast, Episode 20. If you think that you have all the answers to be able to successfully run your life completely by yourself, you are totally lying to yourself. I'm Nina. And I'm Liz. We don't have all the answers, but we do have a bottle of wine and some thoughts. If you're looking for honest musings on life, happiness, health, and wellness, you've come to the right place. We'll even throw in a couple off-the-wall jokes, some personal stories, and of course, some shenanigans. So grab a glass of wine and join the conversation. Hey, Wine and Shiners. Welcome back to another episode of our podcast. We are so honored and happy to have you back here with us for another week. Today's interview is with my boss and longtime friend from the credit union space, Amanda Thomas McNeans. And I am so happy that you guys get to um, experience her wisdom and insight. She's just a true gem of a person that has a lot of insight, particularly with entrepreneurship as she has started her own business but also just in life in general. Um, She's got a lot of really great takeaway pieces that I'm sure you will get a lot of value out of. Um, She's also very knowledgeable about wine, unlike Nina and myself. So we actually, on this episode, drink some good wine um, and talk about where to find it. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And here's our interview with Amanda Thomas-McMeans. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for coming on the Wine and Shine podcast. We're really excited to chat with you today. Hi, Nina. Hi, Liz. I'm so excited to be here. And I just want to say I've been listening to your podcast and it's uh, amazing and super special. And I'm just so proud of you guys. Oh, that's really sweet. We kind of like it. I think we're going to keep it around for a while. I mean, we're enjoying, we're having a good time. So hopefully our listeners are. There's too many people to talk to, to stop it. I know. There's a whole world. We have a whole slew of guests that we just have lined up. And like, I'm just really, really excited to talk to everybody. That's great. And especially you today. I know. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I know I just met you for the first time today. And I'm really excited about it. But you are Liz's boss. You guys work together. For a long time. Yeah. yeah. So, and boss and mentor and friend and singer of Sound of Music songs <laughs> and other things. All good There's things. There's a big, a big category for Amanda. Yes. Yes, there is. <laughs> well, I'm really happy to be here, like I said. And um, so I am... 36 years old. I have lived in Ohio my whole life. I'm an identical twin. You look so young, by the way. Thank you. Like if if you had to ask, I'd say you were our age, like exactly. I am mentally. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. I mean, mentally young is like all that matters for real. She's got Absolutely. a good skincare regimen. Mm. It's my Estee Lauder. Actually, Ooh. she was what? I heard you say that a few times and I was like, I feel like I'm at the age now where I should maybe start having a skincare regimen. Like I'm not going to be any younger. So <laughs> so maybe we should start getting yeah. our routine, our skin routine on. Yeah. I'm terrible at my skin. As in like Nina needs to wash her face before she yeah, goes to bed. Terrible. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I need to get on the, the skincare routine. But anyway... So I um, I started my company about three years ago as a result of um, a lot of different things going on in my life. Um, my husband's an entrepreneur. We've both just really been good at wanting to support each other in our careers. And obviously, when we met, you know, almost ten years ago now, we didn't know 
anything about where we were going to go in our lives. But a year before I started my company, circumstances, um, the stars aligned for Michael to go out on his own. So we kind of got a taste for entrepreneurship when he started his own company in October of 2013. And when the time came for the, obviously it was different circumstances, but I started my own company in October of 2014. Oh my goodness. Yeah. One year later. That's yeah, so exactly. exciting. One year later, it was, it's creepy. He wow. on the 16th and I started mine on the 20th. So wow. just one year, within one year, we went from two salaries to no salaries. Now, when he started his, did you know at that time that you wanted to start your own business or were you like, was this just a year later? Well, I guess you don't all of a sudden a year later decide you're going to do it and then do it that month. But like... Like, yeah, did that, did his business inspire you to start one or? Um, his business gave me the confidence to start my, because mm. there's the financial aspect that I'm just going to throw it out there. Nobody likes to talk about money. It is scary financially mm-hmm. yeah. going from, okay, well, I'm used to making this and I need this. You know, we're not, Michael and I aren't into stuff. We're very much into experiences. So we don't have a big house. We live a modest lifestyle, but we, you know, that you you have to have enough money to pay your bills, make your car payments and all that. So that wasn't a motivator, but having him having his business, obviously, we thought that it was gonna, you know, start out and then kind of go down a little bit and, and take a long time to gain steam. And he started out and it was kind of like leaving a roller coaster platform. You go straight and then it just kind of mm. went up. It never it never really stopped. And he said, you know, you You've been taking care of us for a long time, and it's time for me to take care of you. I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. It was just, am I going to be brave enough to listen to that voice in me Mm -hmm. that said that? And the reason why I knew that was I have always known even when I started, so I started in credit unions in 2002, and I just had this feeling I loved credit unions, and I saw the the place that they could be in the in the market because nobody knows about what credit unions are. I mean, I'll, I'll put you on the spot. What do you oh. think? Before you knew Liz, because I know she um, credit unions I do. all the time, what did you think they were? I honestly, I don't even know how to answer that. Like a different form of a bank. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good, actually a very good answer. That's closer than most people ever get. People I just, like, yeah. yeah, that's all. It's uh, a union with the credit bureau and yeah, no one knows. I just knew that some people went to credit unions and I went to Chase. And so I just thought it was a different, a smaller version of a bank. Yeah, that's actually a really good answer. Mm-hmm. Oh, yay. Points for me. Yay. Thanks. So <laughs> I I started a credit union and I thought that's where you got your amusement park tickets. Uh, I, it was the first. I, so I they got sell two, those, by the way. They, oh, okay. Yeah, got Island it. Island tickets. Woo. Um, we, so that's where I, that's what I thought credit unions were when I first started. But especially young people, we're the younger generations want not only to find out that they're working for, they, you know, they want to support their families and they want to be able to pay their student loan payments and all that sort of thing, but they want to work for a company that they know is doing good. And I would say that's what really got me started in credit unions. Mm. And I, I drank the Kool-Aid, as you will hear many credit union people say, I drank the Kool-Aid and they are- You never go back. No, no, absolutely. So I knew when I started with, at my credit union that I wanted to make a big impact. I just didn't know how. And I spent the next several years doing as much as I could, stepping outside of my comfort zone as much as I possibly could. I took every opportunity for for professional development. Um, I met a lot of other younger people in the industry and there started... Um, you know, they started offering really great opportunities for younger people like me to kind of build their their professional 
executive presence mm. and their panache as, as, as professionals. Like the next top credit union exec was a, a competition that I entered in 2011. And I was one of the five international finalists and I got to go to Las Vegas and I- That's so fun. It was awesome, but it was also extremely scary because yeah. the- you know, you're at you're at a huge conference of CEOs and you have to speak in front of 250 of them. And I hadn't even spoken in front of my own board of directors before. And now you're in front of all of these CEOs. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Stress. So, yeah, very. Including you, your own, right? Absolutely. So, absolutely. I mean, that's even more, I feel like that's more pressure to have like- When it's personal to you. Your own CEO sitting there watching you. Yeah. I mean, like, some a face you know. I'd rather talk to strangers. It is easier to talk to strangers. Yeah. yeah. I think so. So I, I just, I, I knew that I wanted to make a big impact on credit unions. And um, I knew, you know, a few years down the road, um, after I first started credit unions in 2002, I met a guy named Rich Crabtree, who was a, an account exec at the um, design firm that we were using. They're actually right across the street from my company, but he was kind of the first person in my life to be a mentor to me. He just, I, I never asked him to be his mentee, I guess is the is the word, but he, I never asked him to be my mentor. He just kind of took me under his wing and, and just kind of pushed me forward and got me thinking about new things. And that's when I really started thinking about entrepreneurship. And I started surrounding myself, realizing that I don't have to have all the answers. I think, you know, mm. going back to, we were talking about vulnerability earlier, it's if you think that you have all the answers to be able to successfully run your life completely by yourself, you are totally lying to yourself. We you don't have all the answers. You're not supposed to have all the answers. So I started, you know, asking other people in my life questions to help me make the best decisions for my life. And after that, um, I got asked questions a lot about vision, vision questions. What do you want to be in ten years? And to your a very long-winded answer to your question. No, I'm loving it. I'm eating all of it up. <laughs> a very, very long answer to that question is somebody gave me a piece of paper once and it was like a, t- you know, 10-year vision. Like, where do you want to be living and what do you want to be doing and what's your day going to be like and how much money you want to make and just la, la, la. Mm-hmm. Sure, everything about your life that you possibly can. And I didn't, I couldn't think about like where and what. I wrote down that I wanted to be able to spend as much time with my family as possible. I wanted to be able to travel and I wanted to be able to take, I don't know why this was a thing for me. It is, I wanted to be able to take the last two weeks of the year off and Mm. be able to totally unplug um, and just be able to kind of run my own life. So looking at that and and the power of writing something down is is the most, one of the most powerful things that you can do is write Mm -hmm. something down because you know, a few years went by, but it was quick from the time that I, you know, was working in another, in a job for someone else. And then seeing that succession between then and just starting my own company and going out on my own. It was, I I would attribute it to writing it down on a piece of paper. My gosh. I will say, I actually thought, because we talk about this a lot and I actually thought about this, this the other day. I think back in, so it's February now. I think back in August, Zach and I did a similar exercise where we just kind of, it, it was really vague, just like what we kind of envisioned our life being based on, and it changes all the time, honestly. Like if you ask us what we want today versus what we wanted like three years ago, we'll laugh at things that we mm-hmm. wanted three years ago. But we talked about it and some of the stuff we wrote down was like living in a cute little downtown apartment, both working yeah. from home, working in little coffee shops. like, And that's like in April, that will happen. Like I didn't even... I don't want to say I didn't try to make it happen. I must have subconsciously, we must have been making those decisions, but it's like, it's happening. Like Zach works from home now. I work from home. We just, and we have, we like working, 
you know, we don't get tired of each other seeing each Such other. Such a beautiful thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, I mean, but it's, it's weird. Like we wrote it down. We talked about it. We had a, like a really long conversation on our deck one night drinking tea and it was warm out with our little cafe oh. lights. And I was like, this is what we want. And, and it manifested. It's going to happen. I had a really similar experience and I can't share too much on the air right now, but I had an experience where I was like watching something that really stirred something inside of me. And I started journaling about it. And then me and Cody started talking about it. And like the act of writing it down, like it was just this feeling of like, this is something I have to do. This is something that is meant to happen. And I've been writing about it for, I don't know, a month or so or a couple Mm -hmm. months now. And it's, I mean, it's, probably going to happen here shortly. And I'll tell you all more about it soon, listeners. But his deep, dark secret. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's the same sort of thing. It's like when it's so, it's just like overcomes you, this feeling, and you put it down on paper. And then if it's meant to be, it, it like comes together, manifests in your life somehow. Yep. That's awesome. Absolutely. We've actually built our business that way. We get asked all the time, like, can I reach these goals? We do marketing consulting for credit unions and we'll we'll work with credit unions that have never had a marketing person. And part of the process is, I mean, it's, yes, we make beautiful creative, but that's the end result of us doing weeks and weeks Mm -hmm. and weeks of intensive Mm -hmm. work with our clients before we ever get to the creative output and what that's going to look like. And part of it's goal setting. And we get asked every single time, like we're we're going to be doing training tomorrow, actually, at a credit union. And and we always get asked, can we reach these goals? Wow, they're just, we we just just don't know. We've never had goals before. And honestly, I believe, I I believe if we write, it can't be like stupid high, but if you write it down, you're going to reach it. That's just how it is. Mm -hmm. And for us, we we chunk it into really manageable. And I've talked about this before I'm wanting to lose weight. Like if I could just lose five pounds, if I could just lose five more pounds, five more pounds, five more pounds. Like if you can view it in little chunks like that, instead of I've got to lose 85 pounds, which is not the number that I need to lose. I would be dead. But <laughs> I mean, you know, right? if you right. can set little goals at a time. So that's kind of how- And celebrate the wins. Yeah. Yep. I want to go back to something you said earlier about like, if you think you know all the answers- Like you absolutely don't. And I think it's so important to reach out to people that know more than you. Reaching out to those people to give you advice, to ask them questions. Like that's what I'm doing right now with my new adventure. I'm finding every single person that can possibly help me in this new adventure that I'm going to possibly partake in. Mm -hmm. And I think like Liz, like I see you doing it with the credit union thing. And in your new business, it's like you can't be afraid to ask people for help. Absolutely not. And honestly, I think that's why everybody asks like, oh, why is your business so successful? Certainly, I mean, I have the work ethic there. That's, I'm committed to Huge piece. You know, you have to have a good work ethic. You have to be prepared to sacrifice some things. But the, the bigger part of it is not telling yourself that you do know everything and making yourself vulnerable and, and having people in your life who love you enough to say, Nope, you're you're you are intentionally falling short of what you said you wanted to reach or what I know you're capable of. And I have a lot of people like that in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a mentor, I, Michael and I, my husband and I have a marriage coach that we meet with on a monthly basis to, you know, obviously make sure that we are the best spouses mm-hmm. for one another. I have lots of really great friends. We have a supportive family and not being afraid to make yourself vulnerable because if you tell it's kind of like writing things down. If you tell somebody what you want to do, they will help challenge you in a loving way to get there. 
building your tribe. I was just going to yeah, say, absolutely. that's Liz's motto. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my motto tribe. is the universe has your back. Zach, <laughs> just a side note, Zach, Liz's husband, who does our show notes and all of our graphics, like said, Nina talks about the universe in, in every, every single episode. episode. And I was like, you know what? Okay, I do. I need to stop. She does. But and she references Gabby Bernstein in every, in every single episode. episode. So I don't even is. mean to do it. So there it is, listeners. There it is. But and I talk about tribes and having grace for yourself. Yes. We all have our things. <laughs> Amanda, you can have a thing that you can talk about all the time. Wine. Wine. Ice <laughs> speaking <cream>. of, <laughs> speaking of, we are drinking wine this evening it's on our recording. Wine. It is. Can you describe it for us? Because you brought the wine today, Amanda. So sure. tell us a little bit about the wine. Well, I know that it is a French red and it is 55% Grenache mm. and 45% Syrah. And it's from the Southern Rhone area of France. So um, those who know me know I'm a Francophile. I was born in the wrong country. I just know I was. <laughs> I'm, I somehow ended up in the United States, but I'm really in France. Um, I support that. <laughs> it's just, a, it's a really, uh, for a red wine, if those of you who like French reds, they're typically lighter. Um, but this is a pretty uh, big French red. It's such a pretty color. It is. It's like this deep reddish purple. It's very purpley. Yeah. So it's it's good. It's a 2014, um, and my French is horrible. I took lots and lots of German in uh, Let school. Let me see. <laughs> I took lots of German in school because the teacher at our where I went to, to high school, um, the the German t- program was awesome there. So my husband and I, when we both started um, being entrepreneurs, we had the flexibility to travel more. We went to France. Mm. I'm trying to speak French. With like a German accent. Yeah, and Germans the- say every single le- yeah. every single syllable. And so French do French, not. No, they also say like three letters of every word and you're like, what did you just say? Also, they have like a lot of different rules for like dropping things at the end and yes. sometimes you drop it. Here's how I'm going to guess. Did you take French, Liz? I did. We. Oh, I knew that because you and Cody were in the same class in we college. Were. The same French class. I think we cared about as much... For French at that time, as yeah, the other you day. guys did not care about it at all. I feel like you never I did anything. I take it all through high school, and I was like, oh, "Gotta meet this language requirement." Blah. I would pronounce this "vasobra," okay, except I said it like Italian. <laughs> that sounded like sounded legit awesome. to me. Um, yeah, selection vie vigne. Liz, that's on point. I have no idea at all, but it Don't. sounds on point to me. I really hope so. My best friend from like all growing up, her mom was my French teacher and I'm like really sitting here hoping that... In- she's not listening. <laughs> she's not listening. She's like, I taught you better. I took Spanish and I am 100% Italian. My, my grandparents spoke obviously Italian and my parents understand it. I don't know one... Aww. one thing about speaking Italian. You should learn it. I know. Me and Cody, after we got back from our honeymoon last summer, got, shoot, what's it called? What's the online program for learning languages? Oh, Rosetta, um, Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone. Yeah. Stone. We got Rosetta <laughs> Stone. We went through the first two lessons and we were like committed. We were like, yes, this is going to be our new like married project. And we just stopped. I don't know why. I mean, maybe I need to write it down. Honestly, maybe I need to write it down and make it a goal yeah, to keep yeah. learning my Italian. The easiest way that I've learned, and I actually feel like I know more French than I do German now, because you take five years, but I've never been, I had that, at that point, never been to Germany. Mm-hmm. You know, I had plans to go to Germany. You pick up so much mm-hmm. being there and trying to speak more than you ever would by, I, I would say, 
I, I've been trying to learn French for a couple of years and I learned more in two weeks. Really? Than I did in a year. See, every time I've been to China, Germany, and Italy, and I did not pick up anything. We can speak Chinese. I can sing in Chi- I can sing in all those languages. I cannot sing in French. Side note, I've never learned to sing in French. You didn't in all of my get college. Made any I never sang a French song and I've never uh taught a French song. Oh, I've Jaca. You've never Oh, I do a song Jean Talamula Tika Tika Daka. I do sing that. It's a round I don't know what Jean Talamula is. I don't know what that is. Okay. <laughs> the, the English, is the English a... word is I hear the I hear the windmill. So maybe that's probably what it means in there French. You know. Side note, nobody cares, but that's my French extent. <laughs> the wine's good. The wine is good. Actually, so you see Amanda intro. Amanda has opened my world to <laughs> so wine. So many wonderful things. Let me tell you what I didn't do before, Amanda. I didn't pair wine or not wine. I didn't pair cheese with fruit. I went to a really great party of Amanda's where they had like, it was basically, I don't know. It was like wine and cheese party. And And they had like all these different cheeses and all these different spreads and all these different breads. And so I put like honey with my apricot jam with my cheese. I don't know what it was. And I was like, this is a new experience and I'll never go back. Heavenly. But the other thing was I didn't like red wine. I was like, Give me some. I used to get this wine at Trader Joe's peach something. It was a sparkling peach wine. It was peach soda, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's Take great. In a bottle. Right. Um, <laughs> I did not drink red wine. And French red, because you mentioned it was light. That's what got me into drinking red. It was like a slow. I like this French red. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't know if I've ever had French red before. And I think you have. I'm, oh. The first episode of our podcast. Oh. I got a French red at the wine shop with you. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. I guess I have. I wonder what I reviewed that wine back in episode Probably one. Because they were all, didn't we all give them like all yeah. five stars? Every single episode where we review wine, we're like, um, totally give this a four. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I That's drink it every, again. Every review, four stars. We like it. We drink it again. And keeping the same tradition, I like this wine and I will drink it again. <laughs> so, Except you can't go to France to get it. <laughs> That's uh, true. Actually, so my husband, because we go to this wine shop occasionally, uh, the one of the guys who works there was like, dude, you have to find out about this this website that I that I order my wine from. It's called winestillsoldout.com. And they have one kind of wine up for sale and they sell it until it sells out. And it's typically vintages that are very good. And they're just, you know, the, the quantity is low and they're trying to get rid of it. So you can get a $90 bottle of wine for like 20 bucks. So need to hop on building our wine cellar right now. You're going to have a wine cellar in your house? Yes. Where? In the basement. That's amazing. There was a point in time where like every day the UPS guy would come with a box of wine. And you have to be there to sign for it. Right. 21. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. So we have wine delivered to our house about once a week. That sounds like a dream. It's pretty That's a dreamland. Yeah. So these I pulled out of our cellar for you. Well, thank you for bringing them. Wine and Shine appreciates. One day we'll get cellars. Yes, one day. In my little like 700 square foot apartment I'm moving to. (laughs) I will just preface it. Our cellar, I'm using air quotes listeners, um, is down by, it's a box of wine down by my crock pot in my basement. So I don't want to sound too fancy here. We haven't built this cellar yet. They're just down in the progress. Hey, It is in progress. You're going to have a wine cellar that's way fancier than anything me and Liz have. So... Kudos. So back to your business, obviously, you know, you've talked a little bit about the 
you know, just the uncertainty with money getting started, that sort of thing. What kind of fears did you have when you first started this venture? Hmm. Like what were the negative little lying voices telling you in your head that you had to kind of shut out? Okay, I'm going to be super vulnerable. Please right now. do it. Um, there is, it's actually becoming more of a well-known thing, but I, even when I, so I told you about my friend, Rich, my first mentor, um, even then, even back then I was like, gosh, if he just, if he really knew me, he would think that I'm crap. And mm. everyone I know would like, I just have to keep trying and trying and trying. And I think my biggest fear, just being totally vulnerable was that, the, this is not a thing. I am not, this is not going to work. I'm not going to be able to do this. I can completely relate to that. And I'm not an entrepreneur, but I feel like that is the fear in everybody. Like everybody we, has this fear that, like, you know how you said like this, I don't know, what whatever you just said, something about like, you feel like you're not capable of doing it. Or if somebody just knew the real me, they wouldn't believe that I could do this. Mm-hmm. And why, why do we do that to ourselves? Why do we create these stories that we're just not good enough? I, I What I've learned from that, because I know, you know, two score is great. And it is the thing, one of the things that I'm most proud of in the world. What I have learned is that there are a lot of uh, firms out there, creative agencies, marketing strategists that work with credit unions. Um, we don't, we aren't doing anything that's never been done. What I do know is that because I am super passionate about what I do and I I believe in what I do and I focus on the relationships with my clients um, and Liz is super passionate about it and she is being her best self through it, that is what makes us better mm. than our competitors with the clients that we're working for. We're obvious, we're not a best fit for every credit union. We don't try to go after every credit union, um, and that's okay. But what that's what sets us apart is realizing what the the true value that we're bringing. I think it's just being authentic. Absolutely. You know what's crazy about this whole circle hmm. is that the thing that our clients are buying is the very fear that you have. So you're afraid that people can't, if they only knew you, that they wouldn't, that would be turned off and wouldn't want to have anything to do with you. But they're buying that, they are buying you. They're buying that authentic Mm. relationship. Yeah. So shouldn't be anything to be afraid of. I'm not anymore. It was the biggest fear that I had. And, you know, I think, of course, after you get a couple of clients, you're like, oh my God, I'm a real boy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But then, like, seriously, like seeing, I did spend, so my husband, we actually decided that I would start my own company. Um, We were on vacation in France and I was working for another consulting agency at the time. And I think I did what most people do, especially females. Like, we're super loyal. And if we decide to go somewhere, we want want to make it work. And, you know, I wanted to just, I wanted to be, um, you know, a vital part of that company. And I didn't, I wasn't good at listening to my inner voice saying this just isn't working. And finally circumstances in my life brought that forward. Like you have to make a decision to leave. So it wasn't, my dad was really sick at the time. Um, he had been, this is fall of 2014 and he had been in the hospital several times since the previous summer and he was on Memorial Day week, or I'm sorry, Labor Day weekend and um, the fall of 2014, he was in the hospital. And I remember I was in the hospital in ICU um, with my computer and my hotspot. And I was, my dad was laying in bed and he wanted me to feed him his applesauce or whatever it was. And I was like, I can't, my, 
I have to work. Mm. And I was like, let's couple priorities. This yeah. is wrong. Priorities. Mm-hmm. And I always say, I, I hate it when people say, this is really important to me. And then you see all the things that they're doing in their life not adding up to that. And you know, they're just mm. full of crap. And I don't, I didn't want my family to hear me say, my family is really important to me and then not be there to do it. So uh, a couple weeks after that, after my dad got out of the hospital, my husband and I had a planned vacation and we're, we were in Paris, France. I'd never been there before and I had always wanted to go. And we were having lunch on the Seine on this beautiful, very unseasonably warm day in Paris, um, drinking champagne for lunch. And he was like, you know, you've supported me and helped me build my business. And now I'm going to be here supporting you. And mm. so he said, this is September... 17th or something. And I, I, uh, quit. And about the middle of October, I I was without a job. And, um, the last couple of months of 2014, I spent a lot of time building the processes that we use now and seeing those work. Like, I mean, every time, and we, like I said, we have 18 active clients. We've worked with a lot of credit unions on projects where we've seen, you know, we've done one thing for them and then we've seen it grow and seeing that's given me the confidence. So I no longer say like, oh, I don't know. I, I don't have that confidence problem anymore because I do realize that is the biggest value that they're buying is us, our personality. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like Liz, we were in Florida last week at a client and they said they were commenting about how we kept saying we, mm-hmm. and we do see ourselves as, you know, if, a, if XYZ Credit Union hires us to do something for them, whether we're going to have a one-year relationship with them or a one-month relationship, we literally... <laughs> see ourselves as employees yeah, of that credit union. Yeah, we don't work for them. We work yeah. with them. Yeah, and they they know that and they value that about us so much. And I think that's one of the things that really sets us apart. And that's where oh, I gosh. gain confidence because I realize that they're they're basically loving us authentically. Like they're loving mm-hmm. Liz and, and our company. And people can sense when you are not being true. People can completely read that. It just seeps from you when you're being honest and when you're passionate and when you care about what you're doing. And that goes for anything. I mean, it goes for being an entrepreneur. It goes for being a teacher. It goes for being a friend, like being a good husband, being a good wife. If you're being authentically yourself and you're passionate and you care about what you're doing, I feel like you can only prosper. So what were some of the tools and strategies that you use to kind of get over that initial fear hump. Like if I'm thinking about our listeners and maybe some of them are trying to start a new adventure and they're at that place where it's like, what if I don't make enough money? Or what if I'm not good enough? Was there anything you did to help you get over that hump? Besides the initial like, when things started working, obviously your brain was like, I can do this, Mm -hmm. right? Like what did you do before that your brain was like, this is something that's working. This is something I can do. Mm -hmm. Well, I think this goes, this flies in the face. What I'm about to say flies in the face with, I believe how most of us are programmed growing up. We're like, Mm. you know, go to school, go to college, get a, get a, get a degree so you can get a job and work for the man. And you're going to work eight to five every day for 30 years. And then when you're 53 and a half, you can retire and do the la la la. And being an entrepreneur is not like that. And I, it was, again, all of those people in my life who had been challenging me to be an entrepreneur. And one person in particular, our marriage coach said, you weren't put on this life to be 
shackled by somebody else's dream. You were here. So be- good. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so good. The word freedom <laughs> Mic drop. coming up completely. It yeah. came up so many times. And I, my husband and I are both believers and that's the other part of it. Like one of the other things, so there was my dad getting sick. There was my husband saying over champagne in Paris, mm-hmm. you know, quit your job. You have this dream, go do it. Um, the other part of it was um, what made it very clear to me, three people in my life who didn't know each other at all. They didn't even know about each other. They were I, they were on what I call my board of directors, <laughs> aka tribe. Yes. I had brought up this verse in Matthew to me when I said, I don't know what to do. What should I do? Should I be an entrepreneur? And it was where um, Jesus is asking Peter to get out of the boat and walk on water. And he needed to have faith to be able to do that. And it was the s- three people brought up that same verse to me the in universe. a two-week period. Uh- Nina, that's your universe. I know that I just said I wasn't going to talk about this anymore, but <laughs> do it. It is exactly what I believe. And I also truly believe from the bottom of my heart that when something is meant to happen, the universe is going to give you signs or God is going to give you signs or whatever you believe in. It's going to give you signs. Yes. And it's like the same theme will keep popping up. For me, it's a song. It's make me an instrument of thy peace. Oh my gosh. I- it popped up three or four times within a two-week span. I read it in a book. It popped up in kundalini yeah, class. in our yoga class. In our yoga class, I sing at a church and the soloist that was singing that day sang a beautiful rendition of it that literally brought me to tears. And I heard it um, in my car. Like, why this song? You know, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when something's supposed to happen, the universe shoves it in your face. Okay, my universe talk is done. Yeah. Your tribe was shoving it in your face. Yes, they were. So I I just, I'm, I just decided that that's what, I, I felt like that's what I was being called to do. And so I don't, chase business now. I mean, you know, we we don't get 100% of the business that comes to us because we're not a good fit. We're not a good fit for them. They're not a good fit for us. And and I, I used to get really upset about it. And I realized like... If it's meant to be, it'll be. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm not going to be upset about it. It wasn't the right thing. And there's something better down the road for us. I, you know, God doesn't want these resources of our company to being devoted to this company, this credit union, when there's another better opportunity down the road. So That we don't know about yet. That we don't know about. You're exactly right. So I don't... That's something for some reason as an entrepreneur that will the business come in is not a a fear for me anymore. You sound a lot like Cody in that he is- I'm sure there's a common thread in all the entrepreneurs. entrepreneurs, He is so confident, you know, like, and with Mm -hmm. our adventure, I will say he, my fear brain will pop in and he will be like, no, we're not going to think about that. We're not going to think about that and it'll happen. Mm-hmm. Like if you set the goal and if you believe in yourself, like you said, if the business doesn't happen at this point, okay, well, something better is coming. And I think that that's a common theme I've been learning throughout all of these people I'm talking to is having some sort of faith in whatever that means to you. Like just believing it's going to happen and then your vibe is going to be putting things out there that only good things are going to come back to you. Absolutely. I think it goes back to not having all the answers mm-hmm. what we talked about in the very beginning. And I think that a lot of times that business down the road, you know, that maybe you're referring to this had to happen and then this had to happen and then this had to happen. Right. Like a sequence of events has to get you there. Yeah. We don't know what that looks like. I also want to touch on, you were talking about how 
Like we go to school and then we go to college and then we get our full-time job. And that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Like I just can't get out of my head that we're programmed since we're little to have this idea of how we're supposed to live our lives. And I know for me, I come from a very blue collar family and my parents actually didn't go to college, but you know, like my dad went straight to work and he worked for 30 years and he still works and he like really loves that traditional part of his life. And I feel like that was really put on to me. And then here I am married to an entrepreneur who is living like this life that is completely out of their mind frame. Like they don't get it at all. And it took me a lot to even get on board with Cody. Like I would be like, Cody, you need to get a job. Like you need to work at, there was a time I wanted him to work at Ace Hardware. Hardware. Because I had a full-time job teaching. I think I'm just lucky that I like my full-time job too. That's another thing. You know, like I'm working like a, quotes, like a nine to five, but it's teaching and I like it. But I would be like, you need to work at the hardware store. You need to do this. You need to do that until all the money comes in. And he always would be like, no, like that's not what I need to do. I need to be putting all of my energy and all of my passion into this business. Mm -hmm. And now years later, I'm so proud of him for doing what he did. But it's like, I had to break down the barriers of like whatever I was taught for so many years. I'll be interested to see if in like a hundred years in our yes. society, if that conversation has changed, what what the pressure will be and what the typical life will be. But in this remote gig economy where people don't have these defined jobs like they used to, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out for, you know, like our kids or the next or the generation after. Well, you, you bring up a really good point because, you know, I things aren't like they were even when our parents were no. working. Um, and I learned you just, you have to do what's right for you. And a company isn't always going to stay loyal to its employees because they're going to be like, well, you know, we have to hire this person because of this law or we have to do this or do this. And I learned, unfortunately, that you cannot trust someone implicitly in a work environment anymore. And you have, and I learned it the hard way. You have to do, if something is important to you and you need something that you're not getting from your professional career, you have to go after it because Mm -hmm. they're not, if push comes to shove, they're going to take care of themselves. They're not going to take care of you. And unfortunately, unfortunately, that's a lesson I learned that kind of made me realize. And I think a lot of people are too. We're not in a work somewhere for 30 or 35 years anymore. It's not that that type of economy anymore. Yeah. I just said that same thing to my mom just yesterday. I was like, it's not realistic for people in our generation to find a job and then work there for 30 years. And I also have this deep down feeling that like we are not meant to do that. Like that isn't the way we're meant to live life. I have this feeling that we're meant to like enjoy life. We're meant to do things. We're meant to like, we're all on this planet to have experiences. Like you said, experiences are important for you and you're meant to be happy. And why are we all going into a job for 30 years and working all of our days away just to retire when we're old? And I don't understand that. It's just not clicking with me lately. And I guess it's not to say like, if you have a job that you go to every day from nine to five and you love it, like, please do. That's awesome. Good for good you. For you. If you want to do it for 30 years, good for you. And and that's what I'm saying with the whole teaching thing. I do enjoy it. You know, I really do. And if I ever leave Shanahan Middle School, I will probably look for teaching jobs. Like it's not, 
It's not that. It's just the idea of like, if you are stuck doing something you do not enjoy, please do not think you have to keep doing it. There's yes. something out there that's better for you. Yes, absolutely. It's all, I, I just, we, Michael and I have had people in our life and it takes a worst, actually, I think I love him dearly, but I still think that he struggles with this, that we build, we are building our lives. We are the architects of our lives. Believe that. That's the same, that's the thing that being that was the hardest thing to swallow as an entrepreneur because you feel like it's wrong. It goes against the grain, but you literally get to def- to design the architecture of your own life. And it starts with writing it down. I want mm-hmm. flexibility. I wanted the second thing that I wrote down after I wanted to, I wanted to be an entrepreneur was number two. I'm looking at you, Liz. <laughs> I want to own or be part owner of a company where people love to work. And that that was a huge driver Check. for me. Liz loves oh. <laughs> working for you. Seriously, every time you're talking about it, I'm like, you love this. And you're like, I really do. And then all the like, time. And I don't have feels. to say that right now. I do not have to say that. But I she need to does. Stop saying, because then the thing I say after that is like, I know that's really nerdy to love credit unions, but I need to just like scratch that line from after. Cause sometimes when I say it and I'm like, what a weird thing for me to have ended up loving. But and I'll always go on about like the podcast and all of my dreams with like being a yoga teacher and a health coach and like building the podcast. And Liz is always like, well, I mean, I just, I, and then she always is talking about like what she wants to do down the line with the credit union and with you. And I'm like, Liz, I'm not telling you need to like do the podcast full time. Okay. You can do both. (laughs) You're going to keep doing the podcast with me, but you you can do both. You know, actually, so I had like, I'll just, I'm vulnerable all the time on here. Yes. I had a slight mental breakdown on Thursday because I had gone to hip hop dance class for the first time in like a long time. And I finally, I felt like I was being like really creative. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need an expressive, not that marketing isn't expressive. It's a different kind of expressive. But I was like, this is why I need dance and music and the podcast. I need like an expressive outlet. We and all I, do. I yeah. find that when I shut that off, when I try to like redirect my attention elsewhere, like cleaning and doing, you know, all the adult things I should be doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That I, I I feel, I get upset when I ignore that side of me. So I think balance, I've, well, that's one of our core values is balance. That I'm and, really hard at living right now. Well, <laughs> we both struggle with it. Do you have some sort of creative outlet for you? Is it writing or is that something you're still trying to find your balance in as well? Mm. I have a, I think that's, creatives have a lot of loves. I think that's one of mm-hmm. them. Like, oh, I love this. Yeah, like that. completely. Yeah. That is so me yeah. too. I, I love cooking and everybody knows, everyone it's an who's art. known me for a long time knows that I love to cook. And I, 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 like I, to I eat did her make cooking. meatballs on Thursday <laughs> for my church group and they really liked them. But before that, I hadn't made anything in a long time. I love to paint mm. with oils. I'm, I like to paint with watercolors. I struggle with even doing that because A, it takes a long time to get everything out and get my easel done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I will find when I'm painting, I'm like, this is crap. I, I It doesn't You want like to judge dough. yourself, I, yeah. I self-judge so much that it takes the fun out of creativity and I'm mm-hmm. really working on pushing myself to be able to find something. I mean, A, there's the time thing, reading, I mm-hmm. love to read. Mm-hmm. Give me a book and I'll be gone for two weeks. Like it's it's a meditative practice. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that one thing 
I would really stress to our listeners is that, and I know we all are very creative people sitting here. I mean, just even in us talking, but it's like, if you are feeling like you are at some sort of standstill or you are feeling at some sort of low, there's some sort of creative piece of you that's trying to come out and you need to find that and you we need to explore with that. Even if we you do. say, I'm not musical, I'm mm-hmm. not artistic, that's not what I'm nope. talking about. There's, It's really self-expression is yes. how I... I view creativity. I agree. And I remember like after I got married and like I kind of went through this weird lull like of like I just finished the marriage. I just got back from the honeymoon. I was like, something is missing. Like what is missing? And that's when the podcast idea brew up. And it was like, because I needed some sort of like new adventure. I needed some sort of creativity. I don't know if that's weird. I don't know if like, shouldn't we just be happy just like being, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't always need a new adventure. I don't know. Or at least our type of personality likes project. I like a project. I like to have a mission and something to work towards and projects are good. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like the word should. Yeah, so you're right. Shooting on yourself. Yeah, shooting on yourself. And I, like my husband and I, we spend... Shooting on yourself. Lot. Is that what you just said? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was yeah. like... Don't shoot on yourself. Yeah, see, doesn't it sound like something it else? It really <laughs> does. <laughs> I like, I really like that. We all the time. <laughs> yeah, because we should a lot. We do. Oh my gosh, I love it. We, I, I've, my husband and I try to spend as much time together as possible, but I, I'm one of those people, I, I'm an introvert. Actually, really, yes, I'm I'm introverted, and so I need that quiet time to myself. But two, I actually think that if you have something, and obviously you guys do the podcast together, but I think everyone needs some type of, and I air quotes, creativity, mm-hmm. creative outlet that they do on their own because it just makes them better for their spouse or their family or or their work or whatever it is. Like you can't just focus all on one thing and put all your eggs in this one basket and never do anything else. Well, there are actually ideas I haven't put them into place yet in like a formal way, but there are things I've learned from the podcast world and a lot of like the people we've talked to are also entrepreneurs. Yes. And so I've learned a lot about kind of, you know, our side of business. Amanda and I have talked about like, what can we do for women in credit Mm -hmm. unions? What can we do for just women in business in general? Um, And so I've, I find inspiration in this outlet to bring over to that. So I think there's definitely learning and ways that they mutually benefit each other. Those are the the best companies. I mean, if you look at the ones that are outliers, you know, Amazon and all those big companies that just grew really exponentially and they did something different, it's because they looked outside of themselves mm-hmm. and saw, you know, there's something that I could adapt to this and not that not that exact thing in that exact way, but there's something that I could take and make what I'm doing better in this completely different area. And so I am all for that. So we don't do, like, I don't only read books on credit unions and I don't go to credit union conferences. And like, I want to step outside of that. Like if if we're an outlier as a company, I want to continue to be an outlier as a company by stepping, keeping outside of the industry and bringing in what we're learning to and inspiring the people that we're working with. I'm going to learn from going to the Good Fest. Oh my gosh, we are so excited. We're going to the Good Fest. What weekend is it? April, April 22nd? 22nd? Yeah. And... Some of our favorite people are going to be there, like Katie Dalebout, Katie Horwitz, Jordan Younger. I'm so excited. And I get to do like, there's a meditation and a yoga session and just speaking on being the best version of yourself. It's a all women wellness, wellness, female empowerment 
day. Listeners, you should go. It's in Philadelphia. There's only half day tickets left, I think. Yeah, I got one. But join me and hang out in the expo hall for nine to noon while you wait to get in. Yes. And also meet us (laughs) because it would be amazing. But yeah, no, I mean, something like that, like I want to take that into my job. Like I want to take these outside experiences and bring them. Actually, there's some company, I'm not like suggesting this, Amanda, it's just like a cool thing I know of. There's some companies that let their employees, like if they have something they're curious about or a question, they send them off for like a month, two months to just explore, learn, like solve that question they're asking. Mm. And they find their employees come back and they're better employees for it. And it helps, I mean, it does contribute to the company in some indirect way. Oh, yeah. So me and Cody were watching something about how Italians run their work-life balance. They're on vacation for like three months yeah. a year. It's was this great. a documentary? What Do you know what I'm talking about? I Have watched you, Do you one. know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. I, I'm I not watched... surprised by any stretch of the imagination just because of my one of my favorite movies is set in Italy and they're like, Americans love live for work, but we care for yeah. pleasure and for love. Yeah. And like the whole thing was about how they have all these vacation days and just how like much happier the people in Italy are because... They don't feel like they're like, work, 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 work. It's like, we work and we have, oh, they also have like two hour breaks for lunch Mm -hmm. where they get to like go home and cook lunch and like eat lunch with their family. Mm -hmm. And then they have all these vacations and then they're so much happier. And I was like, this makes a lot of sense. America, get on board. Exactly what I was thinking. Or start your own business and you can make that. I was going to say, and then like Liz and you, I mean, you guys get to do that because you guys have the freedom because it's your own business Mm -hmm. to like structure it how you want. We do not take two hour lunches. No. No. We don't take one hour lunches. Five minute lunches right now, but it's It's our busy time. It's season. Yeah. It's seasonal. Mm. Um, But I, something okay Andy Janning if you're listening right now this is you and I have it hanging in my office and it's all you who said this to me my mentor Andy told me do not let guilt be the CEO of your company and I have it written in the red book that I wrote all of my notes in but even before I started to score and it's I still look at it all the time as an entrepreneur you think, oh, I should be working. The shoulds, going back yes, to the shoulds. Yes, and I, you know, my clients love that I will respond to an email or we always meet our deadlines. I absolutely never want a client saying, oh, you said you'd get this to me and you don't. But if I have done all of those things, there are other reasons why I'm in business. One of them is my husband. He's an entrepreneur and we started our companies together so we could have the life that we wanted. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to go take my dad to see the University of Kentucky play basketball a couple of weeks ago. So I took a day off and we went and had the best time ever. Mm-hmm. That, all of those things, the impact that we're having on the, the credit unions that we're working with, the actual people, the credit union employees that we're working with, the members, and then obviously my husband and my family, like those are the reasons why I'm an entrepreneur and I am I will not feel guilty about taking time to do something that I really feel like I need to do. And that's the biggest it, it I still like, oh, you know, if I take three hours to go do that, I still like have this niggling, like, what if my clients knew I wasn't working at four o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon? But then I have to realize like they know I'm doing the best job ever. Mm-hmm. I am trying to be my best self by giving what I need to my time right now. That's it. Exactly what you said. When you're just striving to be your best self and you're listening to what you need and you are satisfying all these other life factors, like you said, like husband, family personal time, then everything's going to come together the way that Including it needs to. Your, I mean, you're better for our clients when you are that. fulfilled. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. like, 
if anyone's judging you for being gone at four o'clock and doing something that makes you feel personally whole, it, it circles back around. It comes back. Mm-hmm. So, can I touch on the whole negative thing for one second? So, and I'm going to put Cody on blast right now because he does falls Cody into listen? these. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> He does. Zach listens because he, he does the show notes. Zach but. has to listen. Cody does the intros and the outros. Uh, I don't know if he listens to the whole episode, but I guess this can be helpful for anyone that is an entrepreneur going and starting a new adventure. But he'll do the same thing like you were saying if he doesn't feel like he's done well that day. Like, man, I look at all what all these other people are doing and I have not accomplished as much as them or I didn't work as long as I needed to or I'm just not feeling inspiration today. Then the negative train starts coming on full force and then he likes to shut down. And so what, and that doesn't just have to be for entrepreneurs. That can be for any of us Mm -hmm. when you are just feeling inadequate or that you're judging and you're looking at what everybody else is doing. Like the problem is you can always work longer. You can always work harder. You can always be, I mean, like, so you can't, I feel personally, I feel like you can't let that put you in a negative place and derail you because it it goes back to, it's really perfectionism. You can't be perfect Mm -hmm. at some point good is enough for that day or good is enough for that week and you have to be okay with it. It's just so hard to convince yourself that. It Mm -hmm. is. It's really hard. And I mean, you could, that's a joy and a curse of being an entrepreneur is that you have a project for a client and you could work on it. I mean, I could work on it for a year. Yeah. And it's, I will always, it's like wedding dress shopping. I have the hardest time wedding dress shopping because you know, there's so many beautiful dresses and I kept thinking I have to go to every store and see every dress in my price range and I have to try them all on and make sure they're fit. And I finally came to the realization that I was like, you know what, Amanda, there are always going to be beautiful dresses out there and this, it does not matter. It matters that you're getting married. Mm-hmm. I finally ended up picking out a dress that was on clearance. It was like $400. Jealous. And I was like, I'm getting married to the man of my dreams and it does not matter. This wedding dress does not matter. It is a decoration on a day that I want to be perfect that has nothing to do with this dress. And it's kind of like, you know, taking, <laughs> going back to like credit unit marketing. I mean, I could work on something for a year, but there's always things that I'm going to change. But if I put my best foot forward in the time that I've set aside to do it, they, my client wanted the expertise that I'm bringing to the table and I've, I've brought it. So what value is there in it for me to continue to worry and worry and worry Mm -hmm. and worry and worry? Like there's what, there's a reason why we did it. It's because we have, we have seen this process work over and over again with other clients. We know what we're doing and it's just really just trusting the process that I've built. Mm-hmm. And that that's like looking thing. at the bigger picture. Yeah, big picture. The mm-hmm. the wedding dress analogy is something that I will definitely remember because you're right. When you're really focusing and worrying on one small piece, or like I should have been working longer, I should have been like answering more emails or whatever the case may be. Like, what's the bigger picture here? It's not about the emails, right? It's about like what are you trying to achieve? What's your big goal? It's about getting married. It's not about the dress. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. really simple. Because I struggle a lot with perfectionism. We, I think we both have perfectionist tendencies. It's not, it's not the worst problem to have. I think it's better than it makes like, life I don't a care about anything. But the simplest expression that I have to tell myself all the time is done is better than perfect. Mm. Because like you said, I, something can always... You could spend a whole year working on something and it could be better and better. You could add this and add that. Um, actually, I learned in one of my classes that there was... I think it was Procter & Gamble that had set up like a research 
group to like find the best, create the best diaper. And they like gave this R&D team like three months to like just do nothing except research the best diaper and figure out how to do it. And they kept being like, we need more time. We need more time. We need more time. So there's they never six months, time. nine months, a yeah. year. And then other people at the company was like, what the heck are these diaper people doing? They never, <laughs> it was never good enough. They just kept going yeah. and going and going. And at some point you just have to be like, done is the goal. Mm-hmm. And in our case, you know, if it's not, if if changes need to be made to it, we'll they'll tell us. They'll be like, hey, like, let's add this, this, this. They probably would prefer that they have it in hand, you know, before it, other than it being absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. For me, I know that I'm hard on myself. So my like good enough is most people's way best. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like well, you even said, because we we have a, a, a a business coach at two score mm-hmm. and he sees both of us and I beat myself, especially about like speaking engagements. And Liz actually passed along a piece of advice that he had given her. Our coach had given her before she spoke. And he, he had said, they don't know what you intended to say mm. and didn't say they only know what you said. Mm-hmm. And it's still very valuable. And I think like there, we know what we're doing. And I just always ask myself, did I put my best foot forward in this, whether I spent 15 minutes on it or five hours? Did I do my best? And if not, and you always know, it's just, I think really being an entrepreneur is all about listening to your inner voice. Did I do my best? Because in, in, in guiding, letting that guide you. So I was watching the minimalist documentary again last night, which is amazing. And I'll watch it a million times. But Dan Harris, the newscaster, he's featured on the documentary. And he said, there is constructive worry. And then there's over worry. And it's like you, he gave this example of like missing a flight. So his argument was like, well, if I never worry, if I never worry a little bit, then won't I never achieve things? Like, don't I have to worry a tiny bit about Mm -hmm. if I'm going to make my flight so that I get there on time? But then it's like, yeah, you can have that thought once. Like, am I going to make my flight? Or if you let it rule you, then it's not constructive worry anymore. Like you can't just let it keep going because what's that doing? Because then at that point, once you've thought about it two, three, four, all the rest of the day, you've just wasted time. You've just wasted like energy. It it actually owns you. Yes. It will take over. If you, I don't know if any of you guys, if you've even seen Lost. Mm-mm. Lost. Mm-mm. It was on years ago, but it was kind of this weird show. And I, you know, I got this morbid curiosity about it. And I was like, well, I've already watched three seasons. I might as well watch all 10 of them. And I did. But there, there's a doctor in that show His Matthew Fox, I think is the actor's name. And he's a, he's a neurosurgeon and somebody had a spinal cord injury and he accidentally nicked something. And like the nerves came out during the episode and he, and it, for some reason, what you said, just made me think of this. Um, the nerves came out and he in this show said, okay, I'm going to let myself worry about this and freak out for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to do my job because if I don't, this woman will never walk again. Obviously what we do doesn't not mean, life and death. No, it's not right. life and death. But at the same time, like it, I think all of life is like a, a, a really fine sword. Like mm. you, it's good to have worry and it's good to have even negativity because it does drive you, but too much of it is bad. Mm-hmm. Too much of good things is bad. Mm-hmm. You can't have the positive without a little bit of negative because you won't know what's positive if you don't know what 
the negative side of it is. But if you have happiness all of the time, I feel like- You can't appreciate it. You can't appreciate it. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Deep stuff today. A book that I've read and I've told like everyone I know about, David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell. It's basically, there's a lot of different- anecdotes in in the book, but it's, you know, it it even talks about like how much money people make and how, you know, there's people like all of life is a bell curve and there, and even does an anecdote about money where, you know, people on the, on the left side of the bell curve, they're like, oh man, if I could just make a little bit more, I can make ends meet. And I, you know, maybe we could set some aside to go to like, take our kids on vacation, but then you get to the top of the bell curve and that's where you're happiest. And then they, it actually shows the studies show that the more money you make after you get past your proverbial middle of the bell curve, it actually decreases in happiness. So that was on the minimalist documentary too. And they were talking about that yesterday. It's like, yes, of course, if you are making a certain amount of money, I forget what the number is. I've heard it's around somewhere around 70,000. It's like for a family, right? Or for a two person family. What you need to pay bills in our current like economy right. standard of living about what you need to pay the bills and have money left over, save and feel like you can do everything you need to do. Well, because if you're always searching for more, what happens once you get to the more and why are you searching for more? And I catch myself a lot. I do that with money too. Like I need to pay this off and I need to have this. And once I get there and once I get that, well, what, what happens once I get there and once I get that? Like at the end, you're searching to satisfy something within yourself. And once you meet your goal, yourself is still the same if you didn't fix anything. So what's going to make you happier? And I've really been trying to work on that. Like, okay, so this is my current situation. What can I do within myself to bring peace to my life? To give myself grace, as Liz would say. expression. Such a great expression. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're just, if you don't fix that root issue, that, that why you're driving towards something, you're just going to, you're just going to start obsessing over something else. Mm-hmm. It's so true. You're right. Because once, Human nature. right. Because once you make your a hundred K, then you're going to be like, that's great. Now what? Like, what do I need to do now? Because unless you're completely satisfied with yourself. evolutionary <laughs> thing. Like, Always yeah. have to be. You know, survival. It's what keeps us alive, which is great. Like working towards the next best thing and keeping, you know, but there's a point where it hurts. And that's why I think coming back around to everything we've been talking about today and just like being your authentic self and knowing what your goals are and knowing what you are striving for and what's important to you. Like you said, again, the family, the husband, the experiences, like what are your five core things that are important to you and how are you going to achieve them? Can I ask you a slightly off topic, but I'm curious Mm -hmm. just to get your insight on this. So you know me, I'm a people pleaser, working on it, hate it, Um, really working on it. (laughs) um, Nina saw me yesterday worrying about what someone thought. How many times did Mm. I ask about that? So many times. Are they mad at us? Did we do something wrong? I'm like, like, Liz, we did the best that we could have done in this situation. There's no way if this person is mad at us, so be it. <laughs> so, but anyway, my question being like, obviously, like I know you had a huge support system, but I also know you had some people on the other end being like, not going to work. Not gonna, it's, I, it's not a good idea. Like, how did you... I'm very interested in this answer too. How did you too. shut out the haters mm-hmm. and balance? How did you choose? I mean... How did you... Sorry, I hate you. I'm not talking well. No, I was following her the whole time. How did you choose to 
listen to your support team over the people that were telling you you couldn't do it. Because sometimes to me, those negative voices are louder mm, and I get clouded. Yes. That's an interesting question. And the way that you're asking it, the negativity of, you know, that's never going to work. And I chose small credit unions as my niche market. So all you aspiring entrepreneurs out there, think about the value you're bringing and focus on a really small niche market. Know who you're best suited to serve. I'm talking marketing speak now. Obviously, I did the same thing with Two Score. We wanted to work with credit unions under $100 million in assets, and that's who we focus on. Um, and I had a lot of people say, like, you know, small credit unions are going away. You're not going to have a job, blah, blah, blah. And that has just not been the case. So many credit unions have been coming out of the woodwork and mm. saying, oh my gosh, there's an affordable solution and we want to work with you so bad. And it's just, it is the, it makes my heart so happy that I get to help these women, mm-hmm. a lot of them are women, but a lot of these credit unions every single day. And it's funny, th- that's one of those situations, Liz, the question that you asked, mm-hmm. it's one of those situations where I honestly wrote it on my debt. Like I wrote it on my, my bulletin board. <laughs> I have seen it. <laughs> prove the haters wrong. That's one of those things that fueled me more. If you tell me I cannot do something, mm-hmm. I am going to do everything in my power to do it. And I I knew in my heart that that was a need that was out there. And I just, I trusted my instincts. And I obviously listened to all the people who um, helped me, all of those board members before mm-hmm. I started my company who said, these are the mistakes that I made when I started my business. I, I felt like when I started my business three years ago that I had been in business 10 years because I had so much help mm-hmm. getting there. I find that some for some reason, the negative people, the mm-hmm. trolls, the haters, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> you could have 300 positive people supporting you. And then you can have two people that tell you, this isn't going to work. You're making a terrible decision. What if you fail? And your brain is going to obviously... Just take those Hone two in. people and it's going to create every single negative, terrible scenario to come out. And I'm thinking personally of myself right now. Mm-hmm. And I, then I remind myself, so I can focus all my energy on those two people and I can create stories and I can think of every single thing that's going to go wrong. But I have two choices in my life. I can think of the positive or I can think of the negative. And even though it's way easier because that's the way we're flipping wired is to think of the negative, like why? what is the point? What is that going to serve me when I can focus all my energy on things happening on the positive end? And believe in yourself too that, that I mean, that's my thought is that if you, so if they're right, so if it doesn't work so out what? in 10 years, if it doesn't work out, believe that you're capable enough to make it work. Mm-hmm. Like we're strong, beautiful, wonderful, capable people. We can pick ourselves up and do whatever we want. If, as long as you believe in yourself you can do whatever you want. So if it doesn't work, I mean, these are the things I tell myself, then they're not always the things I believe. Mostly they're not the things I believe. But I I mean, I really do think that if if the haters are right at the end of the day and you have belief in yourself, you'll you'll triumph. And also, so what if it fails? Really, truthfully. Like, so what if you make a mistake? Exactly, that's the whole... uh, Something else is out there. What I've learned about though, like I'm air quoting in haters... I have found that the people that are saying that to you are, it, it doesn't have anything to do with, with you. Mm-hmm. It's not about you. It's, yep. They're projecting their own fears because if they were in the same position, they wouldn't. It's it's triggering. 
I have learned that the the strong reactions that I get from people around me, it's triggered. Something I've said or something I'm yes. doing or a choice that I have, it's triggering something in them that has nothing to do with me. You are spitting out every single thing in my self-care books I've been reading. I should write a book. <laughs> I was just going to <laughs> you say. You should. I was just going to say, you need to write a book because I feel like I just keep going, mm, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm over here like nodding. Because <laughs> it's so, it's so, so, so true. If somebody's going to be angry at you or if somebody is going to tell you that you're wrong or that you're going to fail, well, where where is that coming from? Because it's obviously something that they're insecure about within themselves for them to be angry or mad or tell you you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. The hard part about that is that they don't realize that. And so true. the language they use is very like, well, you did this, you did that. And it's hard to and they not justify. take that at face value. And they justify why what they're saying is right. It's because they don't want it to be about them. Mm-hmm. Because they're, they're, they're afraid. They've got, a, they're, they've got a fear it's about them. And a lot of times I don't think they always know that. That's no. the mm-hmm. thing. Because if no. they did, and if they were aware, they probably wouldn't be doing that to you in the first place. No. So... And kind of closing everything out and wrapping up this whole conversation, what is a piece of advice you would give to maybe a woman entrepreneur or anybody in general that is starting to do something out of their comfort zone or they have this passion that they feel is something that they need to do and move forward, but they're still kind of stuck in this fear-based place? What would you say to help them achieve these goals that they have? I have two things to say. One of them is that women especially, and I see it all the time, and it's not in the credit union industry, it's just in any industry, they're so afraid of being told no that they just don't speak up. And I read this great book a couple years ago. It's quite Quiet um, by Susan Cain. It's got a subtitle to it. I don't remember. It's something about introverts in a world that doesn't shut up or something like that. It's a great book. It was a great book. And it talks about how introverts often don't share their ideas because there's so many other loud voices. Women, your voice is very valuable and just as valuable as everyone else in the room. And you're bringing so much to the table. And no is not the worst thing that you can hear. No is not the worst thing you can hear. The worst thing that you could hear is your silence. For not being heard. That is my number one piece of advice. Number two is if you have a passion and you know the value you are going to bring, build your business around making sure that that value is brought and don't chase the money. Never chase the money because if you focus on the value and you focus on your passion, the money will come. But it has to be secondary. I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs, and they're like, oh, you know, I want to make blah, blah, and I want to have a yacht. You know, my husband and I are live in Hilliard, Ohio, and we do not have a $200,000 yacht, or t- I don't even know how much mm-hmm. yachts cost. No so idea. Don't have to be, no I idea. don't live that kind of life. I don't want that kind of life. Mm-mm. Think about... Again, Andy Janning um, told me, think about the impact that you're having. And the, the, the most, the richest life that you could possibly have is if you've made other people's lives richer. And there is nothing more fulfilling than that ever. So good. Do you see why I like working with her now? Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're Can so you be fun. my personal coach? Yeah. On a side note, I feel... This conversation made me love Cody a lot because I can see the connections and the similarities between people with 
these sorts of brains. And it's something that I'm trying to work on more, but like you both have such a similar belief in your businesses and how you view like, it's not about the money. It's about what you're doing and it's about your impact. And I think so many of us are stuck in this, this nine to five rut again or whatever. And it's not, life is not about the money. And like you said, the money will come. Well, and I think it goes back to, we were talking about authenticity. I think if you're in it for the money, people can sense that and are less likely to do business with you and then the money doesn't come. And it's all about the life you want to live. Like what kind of life do you want to live? Now go make it happen. Yes, exactly. Most people, if you ask them value freedom and time with family and experiences, Mm -hmm. I mean, money helps with that, but flexibility is the key and entrepreneurialism has flexibility. Mm-hmm. I once asked somebody that I worked with, and I, I I love this person dearly, so I'm not gonna say I won't out her, but I asked her once, you know, if if money were no object and you could do anything in the world that you, you know, if you could just do whatever you wanted with your days and it, that was your job, and she said she looked at me and she said, I I have no idea. I've never thought about that. Mm-hmm. That was that was about ten years ago. That, that this person said it to me and I, I've never forgotten it. And I mm. thought, I don't ever, I, I want, there, there's a reason why we're all here and there's a reason, you know, I, I'm, I'm meant to do something and I, it is our job to find out what it is. It isn't our job to just take what the world gives us. I also think that in order to be completely satisfied with yourself and to be happy in your life, you need to find your purpose. We all have a purpose. And if you don't know that purpose, then then you are going to have anxiety or you're going to be depressed and you're not going to know why you're on this earth. And I think also on a side note, if you do not know your purpose right now, you are not alone. I'm still developing mine. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think, think any of us 100% know everything we're meant to do. Mm-hmm. I think we know parts and pieces. Or we have an idea and it's an evolving thing and yeah. it changes throughout it's your entire journey. life. But I think that that's one of the main pieces of finding happiness is like knowing like, this is what I want to do right now, or this is what I'm passionate about. And this is like how I'm going to serve the world. There's a lot. I I, I read a lot. You know, obviously when you post that you're an entrepreneur, hashtag entrepreneur, a lot mm-hmm. of people follow you. Yeah. And I have all these like lifestyle people following me and lots of entrepreneurs and they're like, oh yeah, you know, live in the entrepreneur lifestyle. And that's just so, it's not, it's so shallow. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not about the lifestyle. It's about who you're who you're connecting with and who you're able to have make an impact on. You know, I, I got an email from a, a girl who I sat with in at a conference in Texas, I believe, and I I walked into the. It was I got there a couple of days early before the conference started, and and she was sitting by herself, and I could tell she was quiet, and I just I was like, is somebody sitting with you? And she said no, and I I sat and talked to her for like two hours, and I thought, oh my gosh, you are me at twenty two, <laughs> and she was she emailed me the other day, and she said just meeting you made me have the confidence to feel like I'm going to have a great year this year. And that like, that is why mm-hmm. I do what I do. Mm-hmm. If if like I can take, and I'm a really happy person, but like if if that just can somehow catch fire with somebody else, like I know I've done a good job. It, it's not about a marketing report or it's about, it's, it's, it's the people connection part. When we feel like we are providing value and servicing others, I feel like that's when we are the most happy. And when we can find careers in our lives or just purpose in our lives that we are helping others, I think that we will all be on 
the right track. Mm-hmm. Definitely. This has been such a wonderful conversation. Yeah. I feel like I just got done with the therapy session. We should do it more often. Not I know. We, we should. No. Yes. <laughs> God. Yet. And I feel like I have though. Does that make sense? Like I yeah. feel like I have just like let out all of this emotion. Like I'm ready. I'm ready to start the week. Let's do this. Start off by writing down your goals. Let's make a goal that we're all going to write down where we see ourselves in money's not an issue. Like work career is not an issue. Where do you see yourself being most happy? And, and figure out what do it. And then do it. Make it happen. Thank you so Thanks much for, for coming, coming on. on. Thanks for having me. I've had so much fun. We did too. Really and the nice. wine was a great addition. Yes. I'm definitely going to have to do the French the French reds more often. Mm-hmm. Bordeaux. That's a French red. We. Oui. Um, I don't know any other French reds. Just Bordeaux. Are there there's others? Rones, there's There's all sorts of... There's uh, Alsatian, Alsatian wines. You should have a wine and shine podcast. You should. <laughs> hey, are you guys going to work tomorrow? We are. Yes, we're doing Off-site. training. Ooh. A little bit tomorrow. Well, I'm glad I got to hang out with your little work trio tonight. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me in. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us for another episode of the Wine and Shine podcast. And special thank you again to Amanda for coming on and just sharing your wisdom and insight with our listeners. I know this was a really inspirational episode for both Nina and myself. And thank you for being a part of it. As always, thank you for subscribing. If you haven't, please, please do so. Uh, Leave us a review. Leave us your feedback and comments. We'd love to hear, you know, if you have guest ideas or what other things you'd like to hear all of that is great for us to know also please feel free to connect with us on social media we are on instagram at wine and shine podcast we're also on facebook we also have a blog at wine and shine podcast.com and send us an email anytime to wine and shine podcast at gmail.com again we love talking with you and hearing your feedback and getting your ideas we have heard from lots of wonderful people actually around the world so uh, please keep the comments coming and we will see you next week on the wine and shine